Welcome to the Eagle Naz Church Podcast. My name is Bree, and thanks for joining us. We hope that the next 30 minutes helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus, and that you will see how God wants to move in your life. Thanks for listening. Uh, well, we're in a series called Summer in the Psalms. Uh, Pastor Trevor did a great job last week. Such a talented, talented preacher, as long as a musician, huh? Can we give him a big round of applause? So awesome. If you, <laughs> if you missed it, I'd love for you to get on podcasts and check it out, or if you just need a double dose of, of wonderful heaven uh, preaching, that's uh, that's Pastor Trevor last week. Uh, my name is Brent Deacons. I'm the executive pastor here. I get an opportunity to serve here. You can call me Brent, and I'm your friend. Come on. Come on. I told him to say that. Um, as you can tell, it's a little unique here. Um, I am a, a former teacher, an English teacher, and so I love the English language. I love literary devices and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm going to do something a little different with you. I'm a little unorthodox. Is that okay with everyone today? Good, good. Um, so one of the literary devices that I love is a simile. Does everybody know what a simile is? Turn to your neighbor right now, tell them what a simile is, and then give them an example of a simile. You know what a simile is. Come on. I'm going to lose these guys already. You know what a simile is? No. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, here's the test. <clears throat> How'd you do? A simile is comparing two things using the word like or as. How many of you are good Christian biblical people that said, like a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul longs for you? That's comparing a deer wanting water and my soul wanting the Lord. That's a simile. Did you catch it? My coach in junior high would say, deacons, I was supposed to play defense, stick on that guy like ugly on an ape. That's a simile. It's close cousin, <clears throat> got to get the right brick, is a metaphor. You know what a metaphor is? Metaphor is comparing two unlike things without using the word like or as. So a metaphor is comparing something we don't know with something we do know so that we can understand what we don't know based on what we know. Did you get it? That's a metaphor. Man, I feel like I'm in school again. So... We're going to use a metaphor today. In fact, we're going to extend a metaphor a little bit. And something that I've been wanting to do is give you a 2020 vision update. Some of you know about the 2020 vision. Some of you were part of the roundtables almost two years ago. It's been 22 months now that we've been talking about the 2020 vision. And uh, we have um, been, you know, kind of bouncing around a little bit in the 2020 vision. We had some roundtables 22 months ago with over 200 people here talking about what do we want to accomplish by the end of 2020. Some of you are very invested in it. Some of you were part of the roundtable. Some of you are brand new to the church and have never heard anything about this. So we're going to use the 2020 vision as a little metaphor for us today. And uh, what we heard was two things from you the church, the body of Christ. Number one, you said, let's pay off the debt that we have. Can I get a big amen to that? Amen. Come on. We want to pay off the debt that we have. 
Secondly, I heard you say, let's go ahead and finish the east side of our building with a parking lot and an elevator and uh, an east entrance so that we can take care of our families and kids and all that stuff. And so we started to kind of cast this vision for that. Now, I want to give you some updates really quick. I have personally met... (coughs) With every board member at this church, every finance member, I met with several small group leaders, uh, key investors, um, several leaders in this. Over the month of June, 25 plus different people. And I kind of laid out an update here. And so they all were like, this is great. It's authentic. It's open. It's transparent. Great strategy. Go for it. And I think, well, it's time to launch it into the body. And so this is going to serve as our foundation here. Now, let me give you an idea on the debt payoff, uh, just for a little history. In 2007, we had $2.5 million in debt. That was our highest point of debt. In 10 years, when we cast this vision in October of 2017, we had paid off over a million dollars in debt. One person's excited. I'm excited about that. Come on. That's a good thing. And over the couple months that we've been going through this process, we've paid a couple hundred thousand dollars. So now we're in June of 2019. We still have $1.2 million. Now, we are paying at a rate of $13,000 a month of our just principal and interest, and that is going on. But did you know that there are some people that are passionate about paying off debt? This last month alone, over $11,000 has been given for just debt payments. That's pretty awesome. That's almost as much as we're paying in principle. You get it? So not only are we paying down that debt, but it's accelerating because you're giving and your passion for debt payoff. Isn't that cool? So we also have the east entrance here and what's going on there. Uh, We have a little visual for kind of what it will look like. But here's the idea. We had 600,000 that have been pledged to this project. Over $400,000, we now have cash in hand. We've spent about $80,000, which means we have like $320,000. Now, even this last month, these numbers are new. And I want to just show you a little bit about what's going on out there if you haven't been out there yet. So here's a picture of, um, not that, oh, well, that's a cool picture because that is uh, the elevator shaft going in right now. Isn't that cool? But I want to go back to the schematic of the whole thing. Can you take me back to the schematic of the whole thing? So here's our current building right here. And here's the parking lot and the youth center over here. What's happening right now is we're building out this east side of the building with parking lot here and all of the um, islands and the drainage swell and all of this fun stuff so that we can have a place where people can come and feel welcome, and not have to park in dirt, and they can have an elevator, and all of these great things. So we have cash to do that right now. Uh, It's going to cost us $270,000 to finish the parking lot, to finish the foundation, to finish the sidewalks and the islands, and that has started right now. In fact, we are working on the foundation even this week. Is that exciting or what? I'm excited about that. And then the next stage, we need to rough in the entrance of it, which will cost another couple hundred thousand dollars. We'll need to uh, finish up some finish work on the side, which is going to cost more than that and all this kind of stuff. We're just got a big project going, right? But as you know, <clears throat> the debt's going to continue to be paid off, and we're doing the east entrance at the same time. And this actually, the work on this, we've had permits for the parking lot for nine months. 
And then we waited. And we waited. And we waited. And we waited. And I even made a block called, what? How many of you like to wait? Good. One person loves waiting. And I started getting a little worried, like, is this project ever going to happen? And then the master builder said to me, the reason we've been waiting is that you don't build things without a solid foundation. You don't build things without a solid foundation. See, what we were waiting on, we were waiting on the foundation to be permitted and ready. And then God started speaking with me on this whole metaphor of foundation because really it's not about the sticks and stones and the brick and mortar out there. It's about the spiritual condition of our lives and this church. And it caused me to go back to really what is the mission of our church? Loving loving people into a growing relationship with Jesus and sending that love beyond our walls. See, the foundation of what we have here through Jesus Christ, the head, is that we love people. We love people. It's all about people. And so this mission brought me back to this whole concept that we have a campus here that we need to take care of. We have to learn how to love people well. We have to offer hospitality and welcoming environments. See, right now, I mean, we have an awesome kids ministry. I love it when kids come in, but they're checking in here. They're walking through a maze of hallways to try to find their classroom. What if we have a place where they can come in and there's a beautiful environment and they can engage with people and they can engage with God? What if we have a place where people that need an elevator can come and appropriately go to the second floor of our building? What if we have a place where we take care of our people so well that it brings us back to the purpose of who we are? And that's really what 2020 Vision is all about. Now, this is part of extending this metaphor because the found, we've been waiting on the foundation of what God would have for us. You know, I've started reflecting on my personal life here. I grew up in the church. The church was a foundation for my faith. I, I grew up in, in the church. I was there every Sunday, uh, three times a week sometimes. Uh, I grew up in the Sunday school classes that a lot of you are teaching I was in the, the, the youth group where I met Jesus in the high school ministries. As a young adult, I went to NNU and I learned about the foundations of my faith. And see, in this place right now, that is what we're talking about. This summer, I was just talking about Kidmen and, and the camp that they went to and how kids experienced Jesus. And then I was talking to the middle schoolers. Did you see all those kids leave? Like, we had 53 people go to middle school camp. Over 30 of them rededicated their life to Christ. People are coming to know Jesus. Kids are coming to know Jesus because of the foundation that we're laying. You get that? I was talking to Pastor Mike, high school ministry. Mike, one minute. Tell me what's going on in high school ministry. And he takes a step back, and he's like, one minute? That's all? 
He said, the basic is that revival is breaking out. In almost every activity, we have kids coming to Jesus, and they're learning about Jesus, and they are accepting Jesus for the first time, or they're rededicating their lives to Jesus. He's like, I can hardly tell you. There's name after name after name, and he starts telling me about what's happening in high school ministry. Did you just see that big wave of kids? It's because the foundation that we're building in this place. See, our foundation is people. Can you just say that with me? Our foundation is what? People. We want to take care of people well. We want to love people well. And then I remembered, oh, I got to preach on the book of Psalms. <laughs> We're in a series called Summer in the Psalms. How in the world am I going to connect the summer in the Psalms with this whole concept of foundation? And then God just kind of gave me something, and it was such a beautiful time, spending time preparing. And so I turned to the book of Acts. Do you have your Bibles with you today? I would love for you to turn to the book of Acts, Acts starting chapter, chapter 1. If you don't have your Bibles, I'm sure they'll let you cheat and show it to you on the screen. I started reading through Acts. And I started realizing that the book of Psalms was foundational to the early church. See, what was happening is, as the early church was building, Peter continually quoted the book of Psalms. In fact, we're going to see in the first four chapters that he quotes the book of Psalms six different times. So here's what's going on. Jesus has gone into heaven. He's come back. He's hanging out with the disciples a little bit over the course of 40 days. And he says right here in Acts 1, starting in verse 4, on this occasion he was eating with them. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but what? Come on. I love this one. That stinking word, wait again. He says, wait. Wait. Foundation must come first. Do you get it? Just like we can't build out here until the foundation's ready, he can't build his church until the foundation is ready. And so he starts telling them to wait, and the very first thing they have to do is they have to replace Judas. So Judas has made some poor choices in his life. He's now gone. And they, Peter stands up and he goes, well, we got to make some hard leadership decisions right now. Look at uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 20. They're in the word, foundational. They're in prayer, foundational. Oh, I love this block. These guys are praying together. Foundations of the early church. And then he says these words, verse 20. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms. See, he's going back to the foundation that's already been given to him in the book of Psalms. This whole summer in the Psalms started clicking with me. We're building a foundation literally here, but as an extended metaphor, God is building his church through his word. So he says, may uh, his place be deserted. Let there be a new one that dwells there. May another take a place of leadership. And then again, they pray together and then they make some hard decisions together. I'm just guessing that there's some people in this place that have some hard decisions to make. 
You go into the fall, you're leading your family, you're leading a business, there's CEOs, there's bosses, there's managers, there's husbands and wives leading their families. You have some hard decisions to make, don't you? When they had hard decisions to make in the early church, where did they go? They went to the Word. They went to prayer. They understood that the book of Psalms was foundational for them. And I just want to just invite you that as you go into this fall, you may have some hard decisions to make. Where will you go? I love, love, love chapter 2. Chapter 2 is when Pentecost happens and the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And all of a sudden there's this kind of crazy thing happening because the Spirit comes upon them in a way that they don't understand. It's kind of confusing. And so this whole concept of the Holy Spirit comes and he, he comes down on them and it says they're bewildered and they're, um, they're utterly amazed. And it's this kind of a crazy, amazing, awesome time at all at the same time. They're perplexed. What in the world does this mean? In fact, uh, one of my blocks down here says confusion. Like, it's almost confusing to them how this process is happening. But what do they do? Peter stands up again, and he addresses the crowd, and he goes right back to the word of God directly. He quotes out of Joel here. He says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people, your sons. Any sons in the house today? No sons? Oh, man. Holy guys should be raising their hands. If you were born, you're a son. <laughs> and your daughters. Come on, any daughters in the house? Thank you. It's a lot smarter. <laughs> your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men. Any old men here? I mean, young men. Sorry, the first one is young men. Any young men? Let's be honest, right? It's about frame of mind, right, Rick? Your young men will see visions. Your old men. Any old men in here? Come on, be honest. We'll dream dreams. Even my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit on those days. See, P Peter is laying the foundation of what the church will be by going back to the word that he knows, which is Joel and Psalms. And then just a little bit later, he talks about the purpose, and he goes back to, look at verse 25 of chapter 2. David said to him, I saw the Lord before me because he's always at my right hand. He's actually talking about Jesus here. And he's talking about the prophecy of the messianic one that would come named Jesus. He's quoting David from the Psalms. He says, you have made known to me the path of life. I you will fill me with the joy of your presence. He's talking about David. He's actually um, going to prophecy. And he's laying a foundation which we would now call our Bible. You see where I'm going with this metaphor? It's not about bricks and, and mortar and sticks and stones necessarily. It's about the foundation that we will lay in our individual lives, but that we will also lay as a community of believers in this place. And so Peter addresses the crowd, and he starts to talk about Jesus. And then again in Acts 
for like the fourth time now, he quotes out of Psalms 10, and he's talking about Jesus, the Lord, sitting at my right hand and making enemies a footstool at your feet. And here's the cool thing that starts to happen. Peter, in this moment, starts preaching the word of God to them. He's laying foundational stones. He's now evangelizing to them. He is now uh, discipling them. He's helping them understand that there is more to the story. And it says in here that there's so many accepting him that over 3,000 people are added to the number that day. Do you want some of that in this place? I do. How does that happen? It happens with a firm foundation. It happens when people come together and they start to understand the word of God. And in chapter two, it's such a beautiful thing when he's talking about this Holy Spirit piece. I was uh, out there this week with our builder and the foreman. And I was kind of telling them my idea and I'm getting all ramped up about these blocks and all this cool stuff. And, and they said, oh man, that's great, but but did you, are you going to tell them about the rebar that goes inside? Tell me more. They tell me that the rebar goes inside, and they said, it's like the Holy Spirit in our lives. It keeps it all together. It keeps it from swaying back and forth. And then the builder is like, yeah, well, tell them about the Trinity, where it all comes together with the bricks and the block and the outside and the mortar and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, this is awesome. Because <laughs> they understand that it's not about bricks and mortar. It's about, do you get it? Do you see what's happening here? Peter is building the early church through his word. 3,000 are added to that name. I love the end of Acts chapter two. It says they devoted themselves to teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of the bread, to prayer. All of these things are here. They have, uh, the believers were together and they have everything in common. They sell their possessions and good. They meet each other's needs. And daily, people are being added to their number and being saved. We want that in this place, Right? Now, it doesn't stop there. I mean, I wish I could preach all day about this, but look, chapter three starts, and Peter and John are walking along one day, and this guy says, uh, can you give me some money, bro? I'm hungry. He says, no, we don't have money for you, but one thing we can do in the name of Jesus is we can offer you healing. And they, like, heal him. Jesus heals him. And uh, what happens there is, they heal this guy, and all of a sudden he starts walking around. Well, this causes a little bit of a commotion. See, the early church is being built on these foundations. And so Peter has to stand up again, and he starts preaching. And there's people there that are listening. And he starts laying again the foundation of things like Moses. And he's laying a foundation of David and what David is saying. And he's laying a foundation of Abraham. And he's talking about the prophets and about Samuel. And he's telling them, oh, He's telling them that Jesus loves them. And what he's doing is he's laying a foundation for their faith because they're Jews and they don't quite understand this whole concept. And when he starts preaching, people start to come to know Jesus. 
And all of it is based on this foundation of the people that went before, the heritage of faith that go before. And because of that, they get in trouble. Lord, may we get in trouble for preaching the word of God? Come on. They get thrown in jail. Chapter 4, they're seized. They're kind of beat up. By that time, the number had grown to about 5,000, not including women and children, so more than that, which gives them the opportunity to preach again. They're preaching again, and I love this. If you'll turn to Acts chapter 4, verse 8. This is one that's like bolded and underlined and highlighted in my Bible. It says, Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, says to them, it's in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but God has raised from the dead. He stands before you. And then look what he does. He quotes from the book of Psalms again. In fact, this was the Psalm that we we're supposed to read yesterday, Psalm 118.22. He says, the stone you builders rejected will become the capstone. You see it? He's laying a foundation for them to understand that Jesus is not only the cornerstone, which is the, the main brick that they start on that starts this whole project. He, Jesus, was the cornerstone from the beginning, but he is also, they say, the what? capstone, which is the last stone that's put on the ark that makes it all beautiful. See, Jesus was the first, and he will be the last. He is the beginning, and he will be the end. He is the alpha, and he is the uh, omega. And Peter lays this whole beautiful thing out, and he says, this, people, is the foundation of your faith. It doesn't stop there. Like if I had all day, we could just talk about this all day. What's happening is the early church is being built on this beautiful foundation of faith with prayer and God's word and the Holy Spirit. And then uh, they get a slap on the wrist and they get sent home. And they go home and they start to praise God and they start to have a party. That's a foundational block. Like, should we have fun in church? Should we praise God together in church? Should we worship him and raise our hands in church? Yes. They start to have a party, and, and he, again, quotes Psalm 2. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 25. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant David. And then he quotes another Psalms. And then they pray together, and they praise together. See, prayer and praise are foundation to our faith. Oh, I love the Word of God. I love the people of God. As I started to pour over this, I started to think about myself and what are the foundation markers in my life. This summer has kind of been a, a unique summer. Uh, many of you would probably say the same thing. And there's been a word that's been popping in my life this summer. It's the word trust. 
The word trust. Multiple times a day, I would, or in my prayer time, I said, just, Lord, I, I trust you. I trust you with my family. I trust you with my home. I trust you with my marriage. I trust you with my kids. I trust you with my firstborn that I'll be taking to college this week. Can we just stop right there? Has anybody had to do that before? That's no fun. But there's no tears here. Here's why. I am trusting that as I send my daughter off to college that she has a foundation of faith that has been built within her. Amen? She was dedicated right here in this place as a one-year-old or a baby. She's gone through the Sunday school classes. She's been in the youth groups. She's gone to NYC. She's gone to the camp. She's made decisions for Christ. She's been in the word. She understands who Jesus is. And the foundation of faith as we send her off is my trusting place today. I say, Lord, I trust you with finances. Come on, we just paid our first college payment. Can I get an amen to that? I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Jesus, with this church. I trust you, Jesus, with the finances of this place. I trust you with the ministry here. I trust you with this 2020 vision. Like in the next six weeks, we need to raise like another 150 or $200,000. Can I get an amen to that? First hour was like, amen, brother. And you guys are like, eh. And I start questioning things like, um, you know, Lord, what do you have for us? And I want to ask you this simple question is, what's your foundation? What's your foundation? What are the blocks that have built your faith? Maybe for you, it's this whole block of trust. Lord, I trust you today. I was reading a great story about the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Anybody seen the Leaning Tower of Pisa before? I mean, I don't even have to hardly tell this story. Pisa is a Greek word for marshy, marcy, marshy? What's the right word? Marsh, marshy lands? Such a weak foundation. They've had to try to rebuild and try to compromise and try to, try to restructure this thing to keep it up. But there's a, there's a real core principle here that if we do not build our lives on the foundation, we will miss all that God has for us. And so I want to ask you this simple question, and we purposely just want to take some time at the end to just reflect and ask this question, God, what is the foundation that you want me to look at this fall? What are the things that maybe I've veered away from or, or things that you're calling me to? First hour, we had a real sweet time uh, where some people came forward and they just wanted to write words that God had been putting on their heart. Some of you will go, oh man, I've, I've kind of lost my prayer walk. And as I go into this fall, Prayer needs to be foundational for me. Uh, some of the people said, man, I've lost the love for God's word. 
I've forgotten about all the heritage of faith that has gone before me. And I want to make it foundational. Some said, man, I saw that video and I need to get in a group. I mean, I need some support. I need some help. People that come along beside and love me. What's your foundation? What's God speaking to you now? In a moment, I'm going to just invite you to come forward and spend some time at the altar. You may want to bring your whole family up and pray together. You may want to bring your spouse up and pray together. You may want to come individually. And and I'm just going to invite you to write any words that you want on this. These actual blocks, I'm going to give to the builder, and they're going to go out, and they're going to be the foundation of the elevator. I want to show you, I mean, that picture that we saw earlier, this was just taken a few days ago, but the foundation's being laid. And once these go in, you're not going to see them again. Do you get it? They're going to be covered up, but they're going to be there as the foundation of this church, the foundation of loving people well. So I want to invite you just now. We're in no hurry. I'm not in a hurry. I don't know if you're in a hurry. Is God speaking to you? What's the foundation that he wants to lay within you this fall? I'm going to pray, and I'm going to just invite you to come forward as Trevor plays a little bit. Father, thank you, Jesus, for this message of hope. Thank you, Jesus, for this idea of an extended metaphor that you are our foundation. And Father, just like you build a foundation within me as a young man growing up, you've built foundation in my daughters and my family, God. You're building a foundation in this church to love people well. And Jesus, we want to have a place that's an inviting place, but not just of bricks and mortar, but of people that love well. So Lord, if there's anyone here that's wrestling with a hard decision, that doesn't know what to do in leadership. Or maybe they're just saying, I want more of the Holy Spirit. I want more of Jesus in my life. Father, maybe there's some here that just are kind of walking around in a daze and confusion, and they're like, I need to go back to the foundation of what you've called me to. So, Father, would would you just speak to us as we spend some time with you? As Trevor plays, I want to just invite you to come up and uh, spend some time with the Lord.